So we begin. We begin to remember the story of Jesus' passion and death, everything that brought him to the cross, the banality, the pettiness of human sin, along with its devastating and deathly consequence. So first we meet the chief priests and the scribes. They knew they wanted to get rid of Jesus and to kill him. He was rocking the boat. He was taking on the temple and its sacrificial system. He was proclaiming the end of days, worrying the Romans, upsetting everyone's equilibrium, however unjust that may have been for some, that stasis in society. And he was getting the poor quite worked up in the process. The chief priests and the scribes were the protectionists of their day. Keep things in balance. Get things back to normal. Get rid of the problem. Close him out. Shut him down. Arrest him and kill him. That's bad enough, but it gets worse. Arrest him and kill him in secret, under the cover of darkness, in the dead of night. We can't do this thing in the light, or his immense popularity combined with our craven actions, all governed by fear, but dressed up and rationalized as responsible, the right thing to do, all of it will lead to a riot during the festival if we're not careful. And we can't have that, can we? If we see ourselves a little bit in the chief priests and the scribes, it's no accident. Aren't they just doing what they feel they must when they have power and influence over others? Oh, the tangled webs we weave. And then there are those unnamed dinner guests at the house of Simon the leper in Bethany. We know they did include a woman who did a gracious, if slightly strange, thing. She anointed Jesus for burial, he told us, by pouring costly ointment of nard on his head. And the other guests, the other guests were full of scolding and blaming and rationalizations and arguments, all coming out of their feelings. And again, if we're reminded of ourselves, particularly when we feel out of sorts, perhaps for no particular reason we can identify, we just know all is not well. If we see ourselves in these guests, then we are getting Mark's point. Have you ever criticized others, especially behind their backs? I suppose we should have expected something dreadful to happen at the house of a leper anyway. Who are these people? Why don't they know how to behave? It's offensive for anyone to be so impoverished and have to witness unbelievable waste and worst, witness it being justified. It's as though in righteous rage we've just thrown paint on a woman's mink coat or beaten some hapless man who made the mistake of wearing a pinstripe suit in London during the recent G20 summit. We're like someone who's just fired off a harumphing letter to the editor. Our banal little jealousies, little irritations, harumphings and sins turn to violence so easily, so easily. And today we're seeing unveiled the consequence of that sin and all the ways we manage our lives at the expense of one another. After the authorities and the everyman, there is Judas. 
We're not told anything about Judas' motives for his betrayal, for handing Jesus over. Maybe he was disgusted by the anointing, the waste, thought things had gone too far. Jesus was off his tree, wanted to purify the movement. Perhaps he just wanted to get back to basics. Whatever it was, he sought to betray his friend, the one he loved, and the one who loved him. No matter the reason, the consequence is the thing. Death for Jesus, judgment, condemnation for everyone else involved. Today we are seeing unveiled the consequence of sin and all the ways in which we manage our lives at the expense of one another. Last Sunday, on my way down here for worship, I heard on the radio the news of a bloody murder somewhere in Washington State. And it colored the whole morning for me, the reading of the Passion, the Liturgy of the Palms, the story of the cross. You may have heard about it and noticed, or you may have heard about it and just filed it away as yet another of that ghastly string of killings of recent weeks involving guns and shooting. In this one, a father apparently shot and murdered his five children. They were aged something between five and 15, and then he shot himself. And I wondered what kind of petty, banal sin would lead to such an atrocity. And it turned out in the news the next day to be all of the stuff that we've already seen in this first reading this afternoon on our way to Calvary. It turns out the man's wife, the mother of the children, was having an affair and had announced to him that she was leaving him. The police rather hoped that the children were asleep when he shot them in their beds in the mobile home where they lived. I rather doubt that was true for all of them. I just can't imagine what it's like to see your father pointing a gun at you and then pulling the trigger. He apparently drove somewhere near where his wife was and took his own life. One officer was quoted as saying, this was not a tragedy, this was a despicable series of murders. Think about it, jealousy, fear, fear of the future, the unknown rage and impotence, response to feeling emasculated, loss of control and desire to control, blame, scolding, and even ultimate betrayal. It's all there. I believe that sometimes the cumulative effect of all our betrayals, our little sins, our gossip, our talking about someone behind their back, our jokes, our machinations at the expense of others, our managing anxiety in our relationships by focusing on our children or some enemy, on and on and on. I believe all these things add up. And some hapless creature or creatures somewhere bear the consequences. And someone acts out sooner or later in the most bloody ways. I'm not excusing that murderous father any more than I'm excusing the chief priests and scribes any more than I'm excusing Jesus. I'm looking at the banality of sin at the beginning of this story that will end in a bloody death, and I'm seeing myself, and I'm seeing you. And I'm inviting you to join me in repentance, in the turning of our lives back toward all that is good and true and lovely and hopeful as a response to the gospel. 
recognizing our dependence on our victims for grace. I'm inviting you to join me in setting aside all those self-justifying mechanisms that we use all the time that leave us not really so bad, only human after all, doing things that don't really matter, or maybe even innocent of any crime. I'm inviting you to join me in declining to focus on the evil of others, declining to justify ourselves, declining to look at the scribes and the dinagrests and the murderous father and the animal rights protester and even Judas, and instead see ourselves in their actions and grasp deep in our souls the connection between our banal sins and bloody consequence somewhere, a connection that is not strictly cause and effect, but which leads us to recognize our need for redemption, for forgiveness, leads us to once again live toward the real life of the party, the life of the story, the life shown in the extraordinary and beautiful and extravagant generosity of the woman and the integrity of Jesus who knows that death will be the consequence of a life that triggers discomfort in those about him, but which is really, in the end, the only way to love.